Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. There's a lot of confusion concerning what will happen at Christ's second coming and beyond. On today's broadcast, Dr. Jennings attempts to clarify what will take place based on God's design laws with which we and the universe operate. We're enjoying talks from the seminar, The Power of Love, that Dr. Jennings presented in Allen, Texas, back in early 2020. On our last show, we discovered that we are made up of three vital parts, soul, spirit, and body. He said we're like computers. We have a body, a physical machine. We have thoughts and beliefs, as well as a chosen language, that's our software, and a source of power. That would be God's beautiful breath of life. We need all three to be a sentient being, to be alive. Today, Dr. Jennings talks about what happens when Christ returns to this earth and how, in many cases, those three elements of life that have been separated will be reunited once again. Let's listen. There is this philosophy that's trying to creep its way into Christianity that God never uses power to put people to sleep. I reject it because it does not allow for God to act in mercy, in love, in therapy, not as punishment. Now, I want to validate them for rejecting it for this reason. The reason they reject it is because they've been told their whole life God is using his power to punish sin and sinners, and he's punishing them for their disobedience. And they realize that, no, punishment doesn't come from God. It comes from sin itself. So they're rejecting that view or the reason, but they don't allow for the fact that, in fact, this is simply a sleep state, and God is putting them in time out, and they will arise again and, and live again. So, imperial view, God is punishing, he's executing. Design law view, he simply turn off the power, pull the plug, put them in sleep mode. It's like shutting down your computer, but no one is yet destroyed. He did this to keep open avenue for Messiah. No one in human history yet has had to deal with the full unveiled truth about their own lives yet. None of us have had to face infinite truth about our own life histories yet. This is why the wicked are raised to life again. So the sequence of I understand future events, Christ returns with his heavenly servers, creates new bodies for the righteous, downloads their software individualities into their new bodies, breath of life, they live again, the resurrection. The righteous living on earth at that time are transfigured to hardware upgrades and they rise to meet in the air with those that are resurrected. We meet Christ in the air. The wicked on earth are put into sleep mode. And the wicked in sleep mode stay in sleep mode. At the end of the thousand years, the unrepented are awakened from sleep mode. And then the thousand years, the new Jerusalem comes down from earth, the righteous are inside, the angels come with them, and the wicked are raised from sleep mode at that point. Why raise the wicked? Because God is love, and every person is given true freedom to determine their own destiny. And what's the status? How do things unfold according to, to Scripture as this happens? They are raised to finish their lives by their own free will choices. And in so doing, they reveal by their own choices that God's actions to put them in sleep mode in no way determine their destiny. They are determining it right now. And so what's happening on earth? Jesus, saints, New Jerusalem, 
descend from heaven, the wicked are raised on earth, and the unrepentant are raised, souls downloaded from the heavenly service into imperfect bodies, not the sinless, perfect bodies that we have, with the same characters. Think about your computer. You shut it off. You leave it for 20 years. You don't do a thing with it. You turn it on 20 years later. What information is there when you turn it on? The same thing. So when they're turned back on, they turn back on right where they turned off. Same mind, same understanding, same rationale, same character, same method, same processes. They're the same people. They were just turned off, now they're turned on. Same train of thoughts, just as turning off your computer. An unspecified period of time. The Bible doesn't say, but it does describe in Revelation 27 through 9 that a period of time is now passing while the new Jerusalem's on earth. The righteous saints are on earth in the new Jerusalem. The wicked dead have been raised, and a period of time passes while the wicked build implements of war. And the entire time the new Jerusalem is on earth, the gates to the new Jerusalem are open. Now, think through that process. Imagine yourself watching this scenario. Jesus and his saints in the new Jerusalem on earth, the gates are open, the wicked are alive, yet no one comes in. What is revealed? There are no angels with flaming swords at the gates. The gates are open and no one comes in. This is why the wicked are raised. Because the questions are always about God's trustworthiness. The questions are always about God's use of power. And the wicked are raised to demonstrate to the entire universe and the righteous saved that God's actions to keep open avenue for Messiah, to send Messiah so that he can save his creation, in no way denied people opportunity for salvation or kept them out of the kingdom. And so on the earth, with the evidence in the New Jerusalem, with righteous loved ones up on the wall, hanging signs down, Johnny, come on in. Nobody comes in. They are all kept out because they don't want to be in there. I know you may say, I can't believe anybody would really do that. I want you to imagine Waco, Texas, the Branch Davidians. Do you remember the story? They had a compound. Imagine you had a brother or a sister or a parent inside the compound believing David Koresh was the Messiah. And your loved one is up on the wall of the compound with a sign with your name on it saying, come on in and worship David. Are you going in? I don't think you're going in. That's how every person outside the city will see those of us inside the city. They are so settled into Satan's lies. They are so convinced that the lie is the truth that no amount of truth or light has any impact on them. And God raises them to finish their life by their own choices and simultaneously reveals that he would love them in there. But there's nothing he can do. And so in the end, he handles it in such a way so that when they are finally eradicated, you can go up to Jesus and put your arm around him and say, it's okay, there's nothing more you could have done. So they all stay out because they believe the lies of Satan. They stay out by their own choice. Thus, it is shown that God's actions to power people down in human history in no way determines their destiny. Even with the evidence of the new Jerusalem on earth, they won't be convinced. Each person finishes their own life by their own choice, consistent with the laws of love 
and liberty. No coercion ever. Key learning points. Human beings are tripartite, body, soul, and spirit. To be operational, we have to have all three parts. Being in sleep mode is not the death of sin. The death of sin is when individuality software is destroyed, annihilation, non-existence. All who are eternally lost are lost because they don't want to be in God's kingdom of love. In the beginning was God, and God is love. And the God of love began to create and build the universe. And as he built the universe, he built it on the laws upon which reality operate, an expression of his character of love, the most important being the law of love, other-centeredness. And then one day, sin was found or originated in Lucifer, who, who was perfect from the time God created him until rebellion was found in him. And he began to lie, and lies believe, break the circle of love and trust and incite fear and selfishness. And God created earth, and Adam and Eve believed the lies, and, and God was not changed. God's law was not changed, but the condition of humankind was changed. And right there in Eden, after the, the fall of humankind, God promised that a Savior was coming. The, the seed of the woman was going to crush the serpent's head. And the Old Testament is this battle between God working to bring salvation, to bring Jesus, our Savior, Satan working to oppose the plan and shut it down. And you see this back and forth through Scripture, through Old Testament, as the two forces are battling things out. But Satan could not stop Christ from coming, and Christ is born in Bethlehem. And Satan inspires evil men to try to kill the baby Jesus because if he can kill the baby Jesus, Jesus doesn't fulfill his mission. We talked about what Christ had to achieve. This also is evidence for those who think it was simply penal legal. We have innocent, sinless baby Jesus on earth. And if the problem is simply that we need the blood of an innocent, sinless sacrifice to be shed to offer to God to pay the legal penalty for our sin, Jesus could have died as an infant, made the payment, gone back to heaven, we're done. It was not the problem. And Satan was trying to stop the plan. God intervened, kept Jesus alive as an infant. And then, of course, Jesus confronted Satan in the desert and was tempted in various ways, overcame, developed the perfect character, eliminates the infection of fear and selfishness that tormented and tempted him, and perfects humanity. He couldn't stop Christ from coming. He couldn't stop Christ from achieving his mission. Christ now ascends into heaven and begins to minister his victories into the lives of men. So Satan's strategy now is to work to obstruct the truth and the application of what Christ achieved into the hearts of men. And so he creates a false narrative, a false picture of God. Revelation actually refers to it as the synagogue of Satan. Rather than the spirit temple, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That when we take in the distortions about God and accept Satan's view, we become a synagogue of Satan. So the sanctuary metaphor, 
prophesies because it says in Amos, he doesn't do anything without revealing to his servants the prophets. God revealed this whole controversy and this plan back and forth. And eventually God's plan to cleanse the, the spirit temple, to cleanse the characters of men, to cleanse the hearts and minds, to prepare people to be with him again where we can live eternally in his presence. That's the metaphor taught in the sanctuary service. All Bible metaphors point to one reality. They all point. Parables, illustrations, metaphors, object lessons, rituals, similes. They all point towards God's character and methods of love and his plan to heal and restore his universe. That's what they're all teaching. If there's no reality to which the metaphor points, it's no longer metaphor, it's fantasy. Sadly, many things in Christianity are fantasy. They're symbolic things that are no longer connected to any reality or to some fraudulent idea that is literally fantasy. Our goal is to understand the symbolic meanings of the rituals, of the metaphors, of the symbols, so we can understand the reality of God's kingdom. Well, okay, our time is up, but be sure to join us next time as Dr. Jennings continues his presentation on the sanctuary in the desert. A fascinating look at what God was trying to show us concerning how he operates today and in the future. Don't forget to tune in, okay? Until then, I invite you to check out comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings and his ministry team have made many resources available to you to help you on your journey of understanding about God's character of love, how he operates, how the universe operates, and how we can be a part of that great eternal operation of God throughout space and time. That's all at comeandreason.com. This program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>